A warning to our listeners. This series contains discussion of mental illness, suicide, and domestic abuse. Who do you think she was? Oh, we made up stories. People don't just show up to East Texas. There's usually a reason they end up where they are. I really don't believe she killed herself. She was there one day, and then all of a sudden she didn't show up. Have we uncovered a conspiracy indirectly? Too many unanswered questions. She was scared to death. She was alive after they said she was dead. Just mayo and cheddar. That's right. And then fries or chips? Um, I'll do fries. Okay. Thank you. Perfect for you. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks. Um, we can go ahead and maybe get started, and then when our food comes, we can take a little pause, food break, and then talk a little bit more. Well, yeah, my memory's not what it used to be, but I can remember stuff from a long time ago better than I can last week, so. <laughs> well, that's good. good for us. <laughs> yes, that's very convenient for us. My name's Dale Jolliffe. I grew up in Athens and uh, met Sue, and gosh, I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't even know when I met her. It was sometime in the early 90s, and uh, we hung out. We lived together for a little while uh, before she passed away. How did you meet her? You know, that's a good question. I, I was thinking about that last night. Um, I, I think we met at, at a, some computer classes out at the Trinity Valley Community College. What do you do now? I work for Dell. I've been in this now for basically with the same company now for is it 15 years now? 14, uh -huh. 15 years, something like that. I started with them in 2007. Seven. Yeah. Maybe we got married. I would love for you to introduce yourself too. Um, I'm Rose Jolla, I'm Dale's wife, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> Sue was very bubbly, and she had a very pronounced British accent. Because no matter where she was, that was the thing that stood out you know, to everybody. She could pretty much, um, I don't say intimidate, but you know, there, there was nobody that really talked back to her very much because she would, you know, she would use that British accent to maximum effect. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, a small town in East Texas, it's fascinating to everybody. You know, everybody loved it. Not only was it British, but she was female, so it was just, you know, like moth to, <laughs> moth to flame. Man. She came to work at that little computer company that I was working for at the time. And I ran uh, a bulletin board system. I don't know if you guys are probably not old enough to remember what those are, but uh, I ran the first one in Henderson County. Well, I would say it was the first one, but it was one of the first ones. And I was the first one to have internet access. This is high-end computer stuff. What does she do? It would suggest to me she was running like a private bulletin board service or something. We had email through a satellite feed. And so you could get online on the BBS and send email to anybody else that had you know, an email account, which back then was very rare. But uh, she and I played around with that a lot. And um, there were a number of people that were going to Trinity Valley Community College, which was Matt, Michelle, Jeremy, and at the time his girlfriend and stuff. And all those guys were much younger than me and they, caught, they dialed into the BBS. And there were some games that we had on, on that system and it, it, there were multiplayer games. So you'd call in, you'd take your turns and then somebody else would call in and they'd take their turns and that sort of thing. And so that's how we all met. We would all wind up at somebody's house on Friday or Saturday night and you know everybody liked to play dominoes, which for a bunch of young kids was kind of strange, I thought, but you know, <laughs> we'd all play dominoes and, and 
the youngest of the crowd of us would usually be drinking and Sue would drink tea or coffee. I don't think I ever saw her drink alcohol. So, you know, eventually the game would devolve into, you know, if you, if you took too long to play your hand or you lost the turn or whatever, you had to, uh, you know, finish some challenge. And she would always make everybody say these British limericks. <laughs> Amazing. Do you remember yeah. any of them? Well, the one that I remember the most was about the pheasant plucker's son. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I remember it, but I'm not sure that I really want to try to say it while I'm being recorded. <laughs> I, I will mess it up. But... <laughs> Uh-oh, what happened? It looks like there was some technical difficulty with the recording. I'm having computer problems, so... I'm trying not to, there we go, cool. Sorry about that. My name is Jeremy Thomas. I am the provost at Oklahoma City Community College and I've been an educator for a little over 22 years. I'm originally from Texas, living in Oklahoma and enjoy what I do day in and day out. And how did you know Sue? As the internet has, uh, did not exist in my age group as an undergraduate, during my freshman year, we would take our computers and we would dial into a thing called a bulletin board and play little computer games and things like that with a guy who ran that. His name was Dale, and Dale dated Sue. We would meet on Thursday nights and play dominoes, and Sue would come and give us all a hard time. How would she give you a hard time? You know, it, it's, it's not very hard. If you spend any time with me, you will uh, definitely hear the East Texas twang come out. So, um, you know, the, the language differences, Sue found that funny. So, like, talking about knocking somebody up <laughs> is actually knocking on their door. It's not what we think it is, you know, in American slang. So, she liked to make comparisons and uh, easy target. What was your initial impression of her, especially with her accent and being in the middle of Texas? Sure. You always wonder, how did you get lost and end up there? People don't just show up to East Texas, and there's usually a reason they end up where they are. But that's something Sue never talked about, so I don't know how she ended up there. Initial impression, she liked to have a good time. And I don't say that in a way like, I can never recall her drinking, for example. I do believe she smoked. You're really pressing my memory on this. You're talking about almost 30 years ago. That would be 29 years ago, actually. So, I mean, it's it's a long time ago. What all did you do? You said you played dominoes. You just hung out. Yeah, it was just a hangout night. Thursday night, if you didn't have a football game on Saturday, was the last night before everybody went home. So that was the hangout night. I actually recently found a picture of her from one of those Thursday night events. They will be edited if they ever get shared. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I would love to see them. Sure. Whatever you're willing to share. Sure. That would be awesome. She was, like I said, she was always just bubbly and, and a lot of fun to be around. And she was always taken in strays. And I was probably one of those. So, you know, I think one of the reasons why I don't remember a lot of that details of that time is because I was going through a divorce and it was not particularly pretty, so, yeah. How much did Sue know about what was going on in your life at that time? 
Oh, pretty much everything. Uh, like I said, I, I was a mess, man. I, I'd talk to anybody that'd listen. <laughs> so, I probably owed her way more money than I realized. I was working for that, that computer company and I was making the fantastic sum of about fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a year there. I, I was paying a vast majority of my income to child support. And I mean, uh, she wasn't paying my child support. I mean, I, I didn't have, you know, like, you know, after a payday, I, if I was lucky, I had 20 bucks. So <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like I was going to take her anywhere. So <laughs> yeah. you said that you worked at this um, computer company together. Did y'all work from home with that? No, back then that wasn't a thing. That I wasn't. didn't think so. <laughs> I'm just wondering if that could, um, because she had this computer room mm-hmm. in her house when she died that was full of some high tech equipment and a whole bunch of floppy disks. Would that be explained by... Yeah, that was mostly from that bulletin board that we ran. Matter of fact, that that room that you're talking about was the extra bedroom in that house. And what we did is I went in there with basically two by fours and some plywood and set up a table along one wall. And that's where, you know, for a long time we had the the satellite dish out in our backyard. And... uh, kind of ran that BBS from there. It was more of a hobby than it was anything else, but that little company that I worked for contributed to some of the costs, and, and uh, you know, of course, we you know, begged our users for donations and stuff, but the thing I remember most about that was I had the seat furthest from the door, and, and her seat was directly in front of the door going into that room. And like I said, she was always picking up strays, and so she was at work one day, and one of the the mechanics came in and they had had a car that was parked out in the back of the lot and apparently a stray cat had brought her kittens in and put them under the hood of the car and so when they brought the car in there was one of the little kittens was left well she brought it home i mean it was young enough we had to bottle feed it for several weeks they found it on august the second so she named it 82. <laughs> and that cat would she would be sitting in that chair with her elbows on the arm of the chair, and that cat would sneak up behind her. And I'd see him coming up out of the corner of my eye, and he did this all the time. And, and he would just jump up and, and nip her on the back of the elbow. <laughs> and it would make her so upset, you know. <laughs> it's like, and, and she got to where, you know, as he would come up, and she, I guess she would hear him or something, and she would just swing her arm backwards like that and catch him. <laughs> but that was... Uh, I don't know. I just, you know, we, we had a lot of fun. You know, it was, uh, I had a lot of fun with her. And, you know, it was, matter of fact, the next girlfriend I had after her was, was her about nine, nine, ten years later. So. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, you know, you have to tell the truth. This is a podcast. You can't be lying because they'll check those facts. <laughs> I didn't believe him when he told me. I'm like, huh? Okay. You said that she wasn't really a drinker. What Did you know her as a smoker, or did she use any drugs or anything? Never saw her use any drugs. For that matter, I don't think I even saw her take prescription medication. I opened up the cabinet prescription drugs. I mean, filled. I think she used to smoke, but she didn't anymore. I smoked around that time frame, so she may have been smoking too. I, I don't know. And you said that you sort of lived with her on and off, is that right? How long yeah. do you think you were together? At least two or three years. I really can't say for sure. It's not like it is today where you have pictures and things like that on your phone. You can go back through to look at dates and stuff like that. We've probably known each other for six months, maybe more, I don't know, before you know, I started living with her. We, it was one of those things where I'd come over and we'd hang out and I'd wind up staying the night and then eventually I just stayed there. Were you able to find any pictures of her or anything? Interesting. No yeah, pictures is, of her? Yeah. We have her driver's license photo. That's it. 
you know, back then you didn't have cameras on your phone, right? Yeah. So for that matter, if you go back and you look, there's not a lot of pictures of me during that time either. So. Yeah. <laughs> you thought she had a missing tooth, is that right? She did. I want to say, if I'm looking at her, so I guess it be on her left side, the upper, mm -hmm. I think. Did she ever get an implant or anything like that? Not, not, not while I knew her, no. Could you describe her, like what she looked like? She was, I don't know, about my height, and she had like blondish silver hair. She is a dirty blonde. She was brunette. And she usually wore it down around her shoulders, and she usually wore glasses. I want to say she had a hazel colored eyes, light blue maybe. Jeremy, what are some things that you remember distinctly about her appearance? I just remember having really long hair. I seem to recall her wearing a lot of makeup. That could be wrong, but I seem to remember that. Nothing stands out. I, I mean, you're talking about the early 90s. We all wore bad clothing, so, I mean, <laughs> bad hair, bad clothing. I was going to ask, what sort of time frame did you know her? Do you, do you remember, like, years? Yes, it seems like I recall meeting Dale in the uh, fall of 92, which would have been my freshman year. And it was in the spring that we started hanging out, uh, which would have been when Sue, you know, started coming along. I left after that year and went out of state and went to school. I came back two years later, maybe, and visited and I believe I saw her then. So that been 94, 95, somewhere in that time period. And then I don't ever recall seeing her after that. In that time that elapsed, did she change at all? I don't think so. Nothing that I remember. She seemed like Sue. She made teddy bears by hand. Steve, look at all of these teddy bears. They were just kind of strewn all over the place. Apparently she bought that as a business from somebody and was doing it, um, I guess, on the side or whatever um, to, to make a little extra money. By the time I met her, though, she still had some of the materials and stuff that she used, but she really didn't, didn't do anything with it anymore. Yeah, she wasn't, like, still making them in her spare time or anything? No. I mean, she'd work on stuff, you know, in her, in her spare time when she had nothing else to do, but it wasn't for, you know, like, like if she knew somebody that wanted one, she'd try to make them one, that sort of thing. And we've heard that she liked to go shooting. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, she had a, I, I don't know what you call I mean, I, at the time, I really wasn't that into guns myself, but yeah. um, she was a, a very good marksman. And I never got to see her do it, but uh, you know, she had several trophies and stuff from uh, competitions she had been in, and she had a, a, at least one pistol that was like a single shot. You know, for you know, the, typically those tend to be more accurate, and and she had a, a a pistol that you know was kind of her personal self-defense thing that she, when when I wasn't around, she'd sleep with it under the pillow. You know. Did you get the sense that she? had something specific that she was afraid of or just general protection? I, no, not really. I mean, I, I, I'd never really thought that she was paranoid about anything, but, you know, she was very of, if she was going out, she was going out fighting, but if that, <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, you know, she was not going to let anybody take advantage of her. 
did you ever feel like she was hiding anything or? Well, I don't say hiding. It's just that, like I said, I, I knew there was a whole bunch there that she just wasn't unpacking and she wasn't going to talk about, uh, you know, especially stuff about her. And she told me at one point that, that she had had a, a, a child when she was really young. Little booties and a little bonnet. I think she's had a baby. I got the impression that she felt like she was forced to give up the child, that, you know, it wasn't really her choice. And that she got married or came over with this guy in the military. My impression was that that was not a very good relationship, I guess. I, I don't know any other concrete details than that. And that's what prompted her just to gather as much stuff as she could, get in the car and drive. And I asked her one time, well, you know what, why'd you come to Athens of all places? Because Athens was a small town, very conservative. I, I was in high school before we actually had a, any sort of business that stayed open past about eight o'clock at night. She just said, well, the scenery was nice. I found that weird. Yeah, end of the day, and she stopped and she said, I just kind of stayed. What scenery? <laughs> what did you say? I said, what scenery? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess I think about scenery as like mountain views. Like, oh, there's a pretty view. Like, I'm the top of the ocean. Or, you know, I don't know where she was from, but it may have looked like what she grew up around. I, I don't know. She never really said. But the thing that always struck me as most odd was I remember Ponder telling me, you know, that when she came to work for him, she gave him a social security number for tax purposes, right? This is important. It came back, well, that's not the right one, you know, or there's some issue with it, and so she would give him another one. It would take a few months for this to, you know, eventually filter back, you know, there's a problem with this when you can't use that social security number. And apparently that happened at, at least once or twice. In uh, you span know. of three years? Did she ever offer any sort of explanation for why she had multiple social security numbers? Nope. No, she didn't talk to me about that. That was something that Ponder spoke to me about after she passed away. And Ponder was your boss at the computer company? Yes. And it kind of fed into that sense that she really was running from something or hiding from something that wasn't blatantly apparent and was probably contributed to why she didn't really want to talk about her past. Maybe while you're in it, each odd Thing, you just take it at face value. I, I don't know. I, I mean, we're we're just different people. I, how do you not know someone's, you know, how old they are? But when you look back on it and you just see one after the other, that's where you, you know. So maybe when you're, well, in it, it you, you know, just I, I, okay. I, I, I can say this. You know, I, at the time I was going through a lot, and, and I was probably not the most. Um, I was pretty self-centered, I guess, at that at that point. I mean, you know. It, it, really more concerned, I guess, with what was going on around me. And, you know, and like I said, based on her personality and being very positive and, and you know, kind of um, assertive, I guess, if she needed something from me, all she had to do was say it and ask. Speaking of the age thing, did she ever tell you how old she was? Or? No, that, that was one of the things, you know, if anybody asks, you know, you just don't ask me that, period. So, uh, you know. I mean, I understand that when you're my age, how old were you guys? Do you guys have a birth date for her? September 13th, 1952. Yeah, see, that's quite a bit older than... Than, than, than you than, thought she was? Oh, yeah. I always thought she was only like four or five more years older than me. Okay, so maybe the mid-90s. It's not for me to say that someone should be lying about their age or not. I mean, that is a personal thing. Um, 
But I guess I just think the younger that you are, that you're not gonna hide it. But, you know, what do I know? Did she look younger? To me, she did, yeah. How old would you have guessed that she was? I mean, I was, gosh, how old was I back then? That, that's, that's what 30, I'm figuring out. 30 years ago now. <laughs> you were in your, you were 33 yeah, yeah. in 1996. So she would have been in her early 40s. When you yeah. Knew her. yeah. So I, I, I would have pegged her at, at the most, you know, 34 at the time. She was quite a bit older than y'all, wasn't she? I would assume, because I don't know what Sue's actual age was. I'm 48. I would assume that Sue was at least 10 years older than me, at least. I mean, I, I always assumed Dale was about that age. I believe she was about 20 years older than you, actually. Oh, wow. But Dale also thought that she was about his age, maybe a couple years older, and, and I think she was 10 years older than him. Oh, wow. For some reason, we just never asked. It's just something we never talked about. When Dale and Sue were dating, what what was your impression of their relationship? Had they been together long? Did they seem serious or casual? Um, casual. They picked on each other a lot, which seemed pretty natural for their attitudes. They They had a very similar attitude. I can never recall them arguing or fighting or any of that sort of stuff. It was, you know, picking back and forth, but we we all seem to do that to each other, so. How did you find out about her passing? I got called over to her house, and to be honest with you, I don't know why, because I got called over there and they wouldn't let me go inside the house. Who called you? Uh, actually, my mother did. I don't know, and this is, this is the thing that's always kind of puzzled me. Apparently, they called my mother first. Uh, and it may have been just they called, uh, you know, and they looked up my my name is the same as my dad's name, so maybe they just looked yeah. up the number and, and called that number and got my mom. So. Mm. And it was the police that called her. Yeah. Did Steve contact you after that? Uh, I've never spoken to Steve. Really? Yeah. Okay. And or at least not that I'm aware of. So. And ha were y'all still seeing each other at that time, or were you just good friends? Well. No, we weren't really. I mean, one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, it's not like we were had a falling out or we had stopped seeing each other, but I knew that uh, it was not going to be that much longer until I had my kids living with me again. So I had built a small house behind my parents' property, uh, on their property, and was kind of getting that ready for the kids and, and, and moved all my, you know, junk out there and was staying out there more than I was staying with her. I mean, the equipment that was in that house when, when she passed away, that would have all been her stuff because I'd already started working on that little house out there and had moved all that stuff and you know set up out there. The last time you were in that room, what was there? What did it look like? Uh, just pretty much bare. I mean, you know, um, I, I don't remember there being more than maybe her PC there than anything else. There may have been an old PC, like you know, a really old one that. You know, we weren't using any more of what left there, but... What was on the walls? Anything? Hmm. So one of the things that Steve said happened mm -hmm. while he was, he and his wife were cleaning out the house is that the computers just sort of turned themselves on. Yeah. And then the next morning, the computers were erased as far as he could tell. He said that the hard drives had been wiped. Um, and he even, I think, pulled off some of those floppy disks and they didn't have any data on them. Do you have any explanation or any idea what could have happened or what would have caused them to come on by themselves? 
No idea. I, I know she had her own personal computer, but again, I, I don't think there was any of that bulletin board stuff left there when she passed away. The floppies and stuff, the really critical stuff, you know, the, the backups of the BBS, and that's probably what they were. And unless you had the software to recover it, it probably would look blank. Were you ever able to get back into the house? Yeah, after they had cleaned everything out, and maybe that was Steve that asked me about that. Somebody had asked me, you know, if there was anything. I said, well, yeah, there's a few things in there I need to get, and I picked up those few things, and that was it. Everything was gone. I mean, you know, all the stuff, you know, her computer that she used at home was gone, too. What details were you told about her death? I knew that she had been sick, and they said, well, you know, she threw up during the night and aspirated, and that choked her. That was the only thing that I was told. When she got a bad flu, instead of somebody staying there to make soup for her or do whatever, she just wanted everybody to leave her alone. And she did not want anybody around her when she was feeling bad. Does it track to you, then, that she would have been dead for four days? I don't think it, I don't think it was four days. It was more like a, a day or two, okay. because she had... The, the week before she'd gotten sick and I'd talked to her and, and I knew she was sick and she said, look, just, you know, as usual, she said, leave me alone, don't, don't, don't bother me. And, and quite frankly, the day that, that I, I think it was the day that the, her work finally called a welfare check-in with the police. And, and again, I don't know that for sure, but that's my assumption. Uh, you know, my plan had been to just go ahead and go by the house that afternoon after I got off work. Because, you know, I hadn't heard from her in a couple of days. Did she sound sick on the phone? The last time I talked to her, yeah. But in all the times that I'd known her before, you know, she would start to get sick and, and you know, you would, she'd you know, leave me alone and it would be three or four days, maybe five days, and you know, she'd be back. One of the things that Steve said when he was cleaning out her house is that he just emptied several cabinets full of pill bottles on the shelves, underneath the bathroom sink, everywhere on the top sink of the top cabinet. If there wasn't 20 different pill bottles on the top cabinet, then there wasn't one. I don't recall ever seeing her even take prescription drugs. That's so, so odd. But you lived with her, so even if you didn't see her, you would have maybe seen the, the yeah, you know, I mean, the if, if they were, house. In other words, uh, I can tell you, she didn't keep them in the kitchen cabinet, she didn't keep them in the bathroom, and she didn't keep them in her closet. Did you attend her memorial service? Yes. It was held at the, uh, in the Bel Air edition in Athens. It was over there in that church. But she was cremated, so, or that's what, that's what they told us. She was cremated, and uh, so. How many people were there, do you remember? There was a lot of people there. Everybody from ACS and I think both dealerships that she worked at, like I said, she knew a lot of people and everybody that, that knew her just loved her, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember if anyone spoke at her memorial, like what the service was like? Uh, some things I guess I've been trying to block out for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I want to say the, the, the priest uh, spoke, but I don't remember anybody else uh, speaking, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that nobody else did. That's just what I remember. Would you say that she was mysterious back then? Like, secretive, mysterious? Maybe. Uh, 
she didn't really talk about herself or her family or where she was from. So I'd have no idea exactly, you know, what part of the country she was from. I have no idea uh, why she came over here. So all that sort of stuff, I just, I, I don't know. And she never shared did you find that strange at the time, or was it just sort of... You know, um, <laughs> I find it strange now. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's that's a little bit different. If, if I did, it, just me knowing me, I probably would have picked at her about it just mm-hmm. randomly. And if I got a strong indication that she really didn't want to talk about it, I would have dropped it. Why do you find it strange now, looking back? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Only recently has... Uh, since since y'all started asking questions, the group is emailing again. And Dale, I think y'all interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And he sent a message to us saying, did, did y'all know that she committed suicide? And the answer was no, I, I had no clue. So and it, it surprises me based on what I know. That surprised me. Why? Uh, you know, people, People who suffer from depression can uh, hide it. It never came out when I was around her that I can recall. Um, I don't remember being standoffish, but there again, I mean, different types can have different ways of manifesting. So I I just, it surprised me. I I wouldn't have thought it. She always seemed peppy uh, when she was around us. And so just a really kind of free spirit is the way I would kind of describe it. It just... Um, just surprised me. I really don't believe she killed herself because she just wasn't that type of personality and she didn't have that, um, you know, uh, like I said, the, the explanation of her being there by herself and, you know, she slept on her back all the time, you know. Um, so, at least to me at the time, that was, that was a very viable explanation. But, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. It sounds weird that someone was sick with the flu and then their death is a suicide. Like, when you're sick, that's completely different uh, mindsets. I don't know. It's one of those things, you know, somebody's there with you one day and they're gone the next. And it's like, I, I am with absolutely no clue of where she came from or anything like that because, again, she just would not talk to anybody about it. And not being married to her, I had absolutely no, you know, legal access to any of that information. So, right. uh, you know, and I sure didn't have the resources to pursue anything. So, what do you think happened to her? I, I don't know. I mean, all I can tell you is I, I never saw her body after she passed. So, did you ever hear of anyone who did? No. No. I mean, short of the the police officers that were in the house when I got there, and then I guess the, the autopsy that they did. But other than that, that was it. Who do you think she was? Oh, uh, we made up stories. <laughs> well, you know, when somebody... Hindsight's twenty twenty, so, I mean, you can, you can go back and second-guess anything. And by the way, your mind plays tricks on you when you start doing stuff like that because you you start making up these grandiose things. So we we started, at some point, one of us had mentioned, well, maybe she was in witness protection and she ended up in Texas. And uh, that's how 
you know, that's the reason that we didn't know as much as we knew. Again, we, we didn't have any details, so we yeah. were just kind of making it up. I have a very specific question for you, which is, did you ever go shooting with her? Apparently she was a sharpshooter. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's that's actually pretty uh, pretty interesting. Um, sharpshooter. Now, you know, by the way, you're playing to my the story I have made up in my mind by saying that. But anyway. really, <laughs> how? Tell me. Well, I, I mean, sharpshooter. Don't talk about her background in a part of the world that nobody comes. So that kind of lends to the uh, witness protection program or something. So, you know, you know, and, and there, I also seem to recall that we also talked about, you know, was it an abusive relationship she had been trying to get away from? And I mean, it wasn't just these grandiose discussions that we had about secret agents and, you know, uh, tinfoil hats and things like that. You know, we, we were just trying to piece it together after the fact. I, I have no clue. Uh, that's just my way of saying I have no clue. My, my imagination can get away from me. For sure. Same, to be honest. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's just, I, again, nobody nobody goes to that part of the world unless the, it's on purpose. And so, um, and then when you don't know a lot of details, your mind will fill in what it thinks it should be. And we all love mystery shows. We all love uh, all that sort of stuff. So we start piling in. Um, these these little connections that may or may not even be there. Just thank you for taking the time and talking with us this afternoon. Thank you. It's been kind of fun remembering her because she was there in a big part of our lives and then just all of a sudden was gone. It was really... It was really hard. Yeah. It, it was kind of shocking and disturbing. I mean, you know, there at the end, though, I mean, I wasn't, like I said, we weren't living together and we were never married, so. I, you, know. and you were young. People that don't typically, you know, they don't die. You yeah. know, you don't, don't have friends that, you know, died from being sick. Hey, Bob. Hey, Caroline. How's it going? Good. Hey, Jenna. Hi, yeah, Jenna. So one thing that really struck me in this interview with Dale is that he told us he was running a bulletin board system out of Sue's house at this time. And he didn't know why the computers would turn on by themselves or why they would have been erased. But he did say that the reason she had those computers in her house was for this BBS. And even the floppies, he said, would probably have been backups of the BBS. Also, the other person that we talked to, Jeremy, met them through the bulletin board. So it sounds like it was just a really big part of their lives at this time. Okay, well, that makes sense to me. She very likely was a mod and then maybe gave up being a mod, but the equipment was still in her house. That would be pretty normal. And if they were running this BBS from the house, sounds like maybe she would have had an always-on internet connection, even though that was still pretty unusual for like a rural area at the time, which to me, the idea of her computers being wiped remotely still feels really unlikely, but an always on connection makes it slightly more feasible. It's hard to explain in this kind of transition time in the early nineties, how important bulletin boards were to people. I mean, most people weren't on the internet and these were the first virtual gaming platforms. People were on them 18 hours a day. So all those floppy disks, they now make sense to me as just backup for the bulletin board. Yeah, that was Dale's guess, too, actually. He said that that's probably what would have been on those floppy disks. But he also said that 
if someone were to try to open those floppy disks and recover the data using the wrong software, they could have looked blank to that person. Uh, absolutely. I, I, things are not as compatible or cross-compatible back then as they are today. We're, we're kind of used to things just working. You plug in a printer and it just wakes up. If you put a Macintosh floppy disk into a Microsoft floppy disk reader back then, you probably wouldn't even get a blinking cursor. It would just look empty or, or even dead. So that makes sense to me. He also told the story that she shared with him about how she came to Athens. Um, she told him that she came to America with a guy from the military. And when that relationship fell apart, she left New York, got in a car, just drove, ended up in Athens, Texas, stopped to look at the scenery and decided to stay. And that really surprised me because Athens is a fairly rural town. Yeah, it's a very Texas sort of town. Like there aren't any breathtaking vistas or crazy views or anything. Yeah, there's a central town square with an old courthouse and things like that. And there's some businesses that sort of radiate out from the town square. And then from there, it's just a lot of open land. There are a few lakes nearby and stuff like that, but for the most part, it's fields and cows. And although, like Dale mentioned, maybe she grew up in the country, so maybe it was familiar. I don't know. It's a little hard to stomach as a story. It's very romantic. It's a very romantic idea of, of coming to a new place. But He did also say that he got the feeling that there was a previous relationship that had not gone well, and maybe she was trying to escape that relationship. Like maybe that's why she decided to pack everything up and just drive until she couldn't drive anymore. So let's say that one of her previous relationships did become violent or abusive in some way. Something we don't think about today in our digital age is that if you did that now, whoever was chasing you could probably find you. But back then it would have worked. Yeah. I'm just going to a small town somewhere so he can never find me again. That would have worked. One of the other things that absolutely blew my mind in this conversation is that Dale said twice, because I asked him to confirm it, that he did not know Sue to use drugs. And he said specifically, I don't even think I saw her take prescription drugs while we were together. And that is completely on a different <laughs> on a different level than the 200 plus pill bottles that Steve said that he had to fill a black trash bag with. And the prescription bottles, according to Steve, were found in her bathroom. So he specifically yeah. mentioned, we didn't tell him that they were found in the bathroom. He was just like, well, I couldn't have been in these places. And one of the places he mentioned was the bathroom. Yeah. I just wonder, because Dale did also sort of caveat a lot of the things he was saying by saying that uh, he might not have been the most uh, present, observant person during this time because he had a lot of personal stuff going on. Maybe she was taking prescriptions and he just never even noticed or thought about it because he was distracted with his own life. I know married couples where the guy would be like, drugs? She doesn't take any drugs and just not paying attention. Yeah, but with that many bottles, I mean, 200 plus bottles, that would be hard to miss. Although, to be fair, we do know from other accounts of Sue that she didn't like to get too deep with people. She liked to sort of keep them at arm's length. So, And I think, honestly, that suited Dale just fine for that time in his life. So I'm actually sitting here remembering that when I was 25, a woman who I was friends with for maybe 
four months and went on a, like a pseudo date with once, um, died. And I guess if you asked me questions about how she died, I would struggle with, with the details. This is almost exactly the same time frame. But still, it's pretty seared in my memory, you know, uh, and, and she, how she died of an accident. So, but I'm sitting here thinking, I can't remember what kind of an accident it was. So, I mean, I guess things do get hazy. The more people we talk to who were actually close to her, the more I'm like, where did we get this idea that she was such a private, shut-in kind of a person? That's actually interesting on its face, yeah. You know, with the people we're interviewing, the plan was to work backwards chronologically through Sue's life. But also, it seems like we're moving towards people who knew Sue the best. Like, we started with the Barksdales, who knew Sue from around town, but really only got involved with her after she died. And then we had Pat, who was a work friend, and now Jeremy, who was kind of a casual friend, and then Dale, who was her partner and lived with her for the last couple of years of her life. And the closer we get to Sue the more I'm starting to think that the people who thought she was sort of isolated, didn't get close to anybody, sat alone in her empty house with her cat eating ramen noodles, you know, I'm starting to think that those people really just didn't know her very well. I mean, it does seem like she didn't share a lot of details about her life, particularly about her past, but it definitely doesn't seem like she was a stay in her house, not get close to anybody, keep to herself, push everyone away kind of person. She just wasn't an offer up details kind of person. And uh, do you have friends like that? Because I do. Oh, yeah. I feel like I am one of those friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. I am speaking for a friend <laughs> when I don't like telling people details about my life. Right. I happen to write about privacy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I've become less of that kind of person. Mm. Like I've become a little bit more of an open book because I have personally realized how keeping things to yourself can sort of harm you psychologically. But... Yeah, I feel like it's not hmm. that strange to not share details, especially details about a family that you seem to be estranged from or a past that you're trying to escape from. You know, one of the things that Jeremy actually said was, even if I thought it was strange, there wasn't an internet that I could go digging. Because apparently he and those people that used to play dominoes with her stay in touch still. Not as much, obviously, and like it's ebbed and flowed over the years, but they still talk. And now that we are sort of digging into this story, they have started talking a little bit more and they all have their own conspiracy theories. They must have, especially if they're all in touch, they must have through the years discussed the death. Did they, I mean, you just said they all have conspiracy theories. Does that mean none of them believe the story as told? I mean... Dale, along with several other people that knew her at the time, have all said that they find it really hard to believe that she would have died by suicide. I take that with a, you know, several grains of salt, because what does that even mean? How do you know whether someone is capable of something like that? I feel like people are really great at hiding feelings like that. But, you know, when multiple people say it, I feel like I have to at least take it in into consideration that she was at least really good at hiding it. 
you know, if she if she was having mm-hmm. those feelings, she at least presented herself in a way that seemed full of life and happy and, you know, not like she was trying to end it. Jenna, do you think that he loved her? I honestly don't know. Hmm. I think he did. I kind of do, yeah. I mean, you would you would feel that, right? Yeah. I think he was trying to maybe temper it because he was there with his current wife. But just hmm. the way that he talked about her, I think he really did. I want to say one more thing before everyone leaves because it's bursting inside me. So my very Irish mother says all the time whenever I ask about our relatives, Bobby, stop digging up graves. Like, they hate talking about the past for a whole bunch of reasons we can get into some other time. But I'm surprised and that so far everyone you've talked to has kind of left it at, please let me know what you find out, not why are you bothering this woman? And you are down there helping all these other people maybe get closure. Tell me if I'm wrong, but so far all I've heard is people saying, well, here's what I know, please get back to me when you, when you know something more, which I, I find that pretty interesting. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I'm surprised nobody's objected to you digging around. Okay, give me one second. Um, here's a picture and she's laughing. I mean, giant teeth grin. I love it. I actually had to scan these photos in because, I mean, they're that old. Yeah. And she's happy in these photos. I don't remember a sad Sue. I don't remember a mad, mad Sue. The, the pictures that I sent to you, she's happy. And so that's, that's, that's how I remember Sue. Next time on Undercover of Night. I kind of always felt like there was something chasing her. I don't know. She, she was nervous about, about somebody finding her. There was something in her past that she didn't want showing up on her doorstep. I don't know why she didn't want me to know. Or she did not want me to know. There is a lot of unanswered questions. And nobody I know saw her body. As an individual in this world, I'm a speck of sand on a great big desert. But yet, in her world, I think I was significant. I think I was something special. Undercover of Night is an Apple original podcast. Produced by Spoke Media and Castleview Productions. Our writer, host, and showrunner is Jenna Burnett. Associate producers are Lucy Huang and Reyes Mendoza. Our researcher is Haley Nelson. Our consulting journalist is Bob Sullivan. Mix, sound design, and original music by Will Short, with additional music from Universal Production Music. Story consulting by Brigham Mosley. Executive producers are Caroline Hamilton, Sharita Lynn Solis, Ted Barnhill, Heather Mansfield-Jernigan, Aliyah Tavakolian, and Keith Reynolds. If you have any information on Sue Knight, you can email us at infosuenight at gmail.com. If you or someone you know needs support, go to apple.com slash here to help for resources. Special thanks to Dale and Rose Jolliffe and Jeremy Thomas for sharing their stories. 
follow on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.